You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Soap here. Excited to be joined by a 2012 NLCLA fellow. Emily Dubin-Field is here. She's got a book out, some interesting things to share about what's in that book. And we haven't chatted in oof, six, seven, eight years. So excited to catch up with her. Let's get to it. All right, Emily. Yeah, describe your life a little bit uh, in 2012 when you were an NLC fellow. What was going on? Yeah. So thanks, Eric, so much. So happy to be connecting with you. I know the years have just flown by. Um, yeah, 2012, 2013, 2014 were really big years for me in trying to become a mom. So, you know, when I was going through the program, I was literally in mm. infertility hell. <laughs> um you know, my husband and I had done everything right. We got married, we rescued a dog, we bought a house, we traveled, we had two good jobs and thought like everybody else, you could get pregnant when you wanted to and had no idea the deep end of infertility we would end up going through um, and how, how, how hard it was for us to get our now miracle daughter. I'm so happy to say that, but it took three years and going through the program, you know, it was great in that it gave me a distraction and an outlet from what I was going through. And I remember I had to miss one of the sessions because I had to have a surgery on my uterus. And, you know, it was just really hard to try to become a mom and battle through it somehow. Yeah, I was trying to think back how how much you were comfortable sharing what you were, were going through. Do you remember mm-hmm. as well? Was it something you were chatting with your with your EOP group about? Was it something that was coming up in general conversations as we were sharing our stories ourselves and those kind of things? Or did you feel like at least at that point you weren't quite ready to share that much yet? Yeah, at that point I wasn't. Um, and it's so interesting because now I am such an open book <laughs> and literally just wrote a book. <laughs> um, it was, I couldn't even like comprehend it fully. And I was, you know, in denial about it. And then I kept thinking, oh, the next thing I do will work. And then I won't have to, you know, kind of keep it a secret. You know, and it wasn't like it was some sort of secret. It just, I couldn't even, like I said, comprehend like all that I was going through. But no, at that time, I didn't. Um, But then in the years after that, um, I did really start to. And I, I found so much strength and relief in talking about what I was going through and in sharing my story. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm such a firm believer in when you go through something in your life, then who better than you to do something about it? Um, you know, from just different things I've been through in my life. When my, you know, I found a breast lump or when my dad died and, you know, then infertility and really realized that people struggle in silence so much and there's so much shame with it. But I don't want to be that person. And I can't tell you how many people have come to me or friends of friends have come to me or random strangers to say, wow, you know, I know you've been through this. You can relate. And we talk and, you know, I'm always here. And, you know, it's a big part of what ultimately led me to to write a book and to kind of help get a message out there and help people who struggle so much with this. Was there anyone that tried to talk you out of writing the book? Good question. You know, Um, no, um, it's been, it was two years in the works for the book. Um, and the book is about, um, so ultimately I should just back up for a second. My daughter was born via a surrogate. So we found another woman, a stranger we did not know through an agency and she carried our child, our biological child, my egg, my husband's sperm. 
And a wonderful woman who now we're really close with and really good friends with carried our daughter, Ava, healthy, perfect, full-term pregnancy. Her body was able to do everything that mine wasn't. Um, And, you know, surrogacy is very, very different. And so, you know, we came together to write the book. Um, And, you know, I definitely knew I wanted to get this story out there. And Melissa, our surrogate, she was all game for it, but had really no idea that, we would get a published or, you know, the late, you know, what would end up coming from it. But it was about two years in the works. And, you know, anytime I kind of mentioned, oh, I'm writing a book or I'm interested in it, people were like, wow, that's amazing. It's so needed in the space. There's not much out there. You know, I know nothing about surrogacy um, and I'd love to learn more. So, you know, no, I didn't. But I also think maybe some people out there didn't know if it would happen or not. And I always knew it would because I wanted it to happen. And so I believe that when you manifested and you want it, um, you know, I mean, finding a publisher and doing all of that, that, that was really, really amazing. But ultimately I really wanted to do this for my daughter and that she'll get to read this one day. She already looks at the photo, you know, there's a baby photo of her on the cover of the book and she points to the tummy, the baby belly that she's in. So she knows mommy wrote a book and it's about her. And, um, you know, it's just such a, a proud moment to be able to do that. And she can read her story about how badly we wanted her. <laughs> and then having a chance to put all these thoughts together into a book, you know, looking back to yourself, uh, maybe in 2012 when we were crossing paths that way, but maybe a couple of years after too, like what, what misperceptions did you have about surrogacy about mm. surrogacy as a concept that, mm-hmm. that you look back now, like, Oh man, I've, I've learned so much or, or think so much differently now. Oh, so much. Um, for, I mean, truly, when our fertility doctor said, okay, surrogacy is your next and viable option, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Literally, it was like, there is no way. I don't trust anyone else. How am I going to trust someone to carry you know, our most prized possession? Um, you know, and there's a lot of initial fear about it that was just naive. I didn't know, you know, who are these women and do they take your baby? And, um, how does the money part work? Because you are paying so much money um, for this. And, um, how you know, how do I know she's going to eat what she needs to eat and go to the doctor when she needs to? And, you know, what I really learned and what somebody told me very early on in the process that set a lot of, you know, my insecurities and mm-hmm. um, fears that kind of settled them was surrogates are amazing women who choose to do this. Nobody's making them do it. They choose to do it. They want to do it. You know, they've done all the research they want. And when you work with the right agencies and the right clinics, you know, they have all the background screening, psychological screening, criminal screening, you name it. And these are women who can get pregnant. They can look at their husband or partner and literally get pregnant. Like, not like me. And somebody said to me, they're like, Emily, If she wants to have another baby, she doesn't want yours. She wants a sibling for her her kids that she has, and she can get pregnant on her own. And when somebody said that to me, I was like, that makes so much sense. And then in really getting to know our surrogate, um, and now since then, we now work in the industry and we've met with and worked with hundreds of surrogates. But back then, you know, when Melissa and I were talking and why she wanted to do this, she loved being pregnant. And wanted to do it again, but didn't want another child of her own. And 
she couldn't imagine somebody else not getting to be a mom or to be a dad. And if her body was, you know, really made to do this, then, and if she could give that ultimate gift to somebody else, you know, she told us it's one of the greatest things she's ever done in her life, giving us Ava. Um, and so really learning who these women are and their real motivations and that, yes, there's money involved, but it's, you know, fourth or fifth or sixth on the list. It's not the top motivators. Um, really learning about that, um, you know, really helped put me at ease. Yeah. Even in hearing you talk, uh, I'm sure the book explains this even further, but some of your word choices and the, and the way you're phrasing things are, are, are you're putting some of these concepts into, into phrases I wouldn't necessarily have considered. Like how much of the language would you like to see change in how people describe and talk about this concept? Yeah. You know, a lot. I think there's, um, you know, celebrities who are doing, going through different various assisted reproduction, whether it's surrogacy or egg donation or embryo donation, um, people are talking more and more about it, which I think is really, really helpful. Um, but you know, I'll tell you that even among close friends and family who I have shared a lot of details with, you know, they still don't fully get it. Or, you know, Melissa, you know, our surrogate will tell you there are still people who look at her and go, how could you possibly give a baby away? And she's like, I'm not giving a baby away. Like I'm, it's not my baby. I'm just growing it and giving it to a family who so desperately wants this baby. Um, so, you know, and then depends who you talk to. And there, you know, like surrogacy is illegal in New York. Um, surrogacy is illegal in many countries around the world. You know, if you're gay, it's a lot harder in certain states. California is the best place to have a baby via surrogate. Um, the most liberal laws are here. And my husband and I were, you know, declared as our child's parents, um, you know, a number of weeks before Ava was born. You know, we were put on the birth certificate. There are some states where birth mother is mother and the parents have to adopt the baby after the baby's born, even though surrogate has no genetic connection with the baby. So there's a lot more we can be doing, um, you know, to help all of these hopeful parents, you know, whether they're a heterosexual couple like Greg and me or, you know, gay, gay men, gay male couple or single male or single female. Um, you know, it's amazing the world we live in and the science and what's available to us. But, you know, there's just still, you know, long way to go with stigma and really making this more accessible for people. Yeah. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the book and some other questions about raising Ava. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah. So Emily, give us a scoop. What's the best way to get the book? Ooh, I like it. The scoop. So the um, best way, hmm. Amazon experiencing surrogacy. You will see a picture of myself and our surrogate with a big belly and Ava's in there and a picture of baby Ava at the top of it. Um, it's perspective and advice from hers and my point of view. I do not think that was the correct grammar of how I just <laughs> said that. <laughs> um, but it's, it's the main milestone markers of a surrogacy journey in pregnancy as told from her. And then from my perspective, we go back and forth about what each of us were feeling and feeling, feeling and going through. So Amazon, obviously best place where you can get paperback book or the, mm. you know Kindle version, but we're also 
Walmart online, Barnes and Noble online, Google Play, Apple. So lots of different retailers. You can also head to our website, fieldfertility.com. Um, the book is listed on there also, as well as the different business offerings we do, because since NLC and then since Ava being born, my husband and I expanded his law practice and we now, and I run the business and we help people have babies through assisted reproduction. So it's definitely become part of our life's work. And the book is just a, you know, a facet of it, but we hope it's useful and here anytime, you know, always willing to talk to people and help. And I wish I had more people to talk to. So it's definitely become, you know, our mission and purpose in life for sure. You know, one of the things we, we ask of any person who comes on the Zagos kids is how do you plan on raising a, a mm -hmm. progressive kid? What's, what's your, what's your plan for that? Well, first I'll just talk with, you know, Ava knows her birth story. She, hmm. from the very, you know, we have pictures in her room of Melissa's tummy and Ava in it. And, and since she was little, you know, where's Ava in this picture? And she would point to it and knows Melissa, knows her family and knows that, you know, Auntie Melissa carried her. And then she went straight to mommy when she was born. And she'll even tell you what an embryo is, you know? So we have, since a very young age, she could articulate all of that. And we embrace, you know, how she was born and how she came into this world. And look, you know, she's going to be in a class with other kids born via surrogacy or egg donation or sperm donation or adoption or embryo donation. And families look all different. And um, that, I think, is amazing and part of why we are, you know, so open with our story. But it's also the work we do. You know, we work with any kind of person who wants to have a child. and. Um, you know, so I think that's a big part of it, of just how open we are with her about her story, um, you know. But then in general, you know, we're like at getting ready for her for kindergarten and trying to find that right environment for her where her mind is going to grow and her love of learning. And, you know, one of the school tours that we went on just recently, um, one of the directors said, the statistic, don't quote me on it, was that 50 percent of the jobs that will be available to our kids when they graduate aren't even out there right now, um, which is so interesting to think like what this generation of kids and my daughter, who is that generation, what kinds of jobs will be available to her and half of them we don't even know. And so just looking at, you know, raising her to understand the community and the world that we live in and making her curious and um, and accepting and confident and self-reliant and resilient, um, you know, are all key values that, that we want for her. Yeah. Love it. Well, listen, we'll put all the book info in the uh, brief on thanks. this, on this episode. <laughs> so make sure everyone to check it out and thanks so much for coming on. Thanks everyone for listening. You can catch all past episodes of the Zag at the usual places. You get podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, they're all there. Check them out. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>